G'day, I'm Rowan Mackey, and I'm joined by my dad, clinical psychologist Chris Mackey, and this is Psych Spiels and Silver Linings. G'day, Dad. How are you going today? Good, thanks, Rowan. Oh, I suppose I've got a little bit of a cold that might come across in my voice, but yeah, look, I'm, I'm feeling good and glad to be here with you today. Oh, good to see you charging through and soldiering on on the podcast, Dad, and hopefully uh, today's slightly more positive topic that we've got for everyone is going to help things a little bit as opposed to maybe some of the, the more recent topics that we've done on the podcast, which, although I wouldn't necessarily call them negative, they maybe look at maybe some of the traps or I suppose some of the downsides in psychology and one of the things we're going to be looking at today is it's more of that positive side of things so we've called today's episode contrasting character strengths with schema and what are we going to be talking about today okay well as you say the last four episodes we've had have been on schema therapy which is looking at the main problematic personality patterns that people tend to have that might prompt people to seek therapy and so a whole lot of clinical psychology just also much of psychiatry tends to look at the kind of problems that people have and that comes up in diagnosis there's a lot of focus on anxiety or depression and in the psychiatry field there'd also be an emphasis on what was called personality disorders now personality disorders naturally it's focusing on problems and schema therapy helped operationalize what those personality difficulties were without maybe quite as judgmental terms as calling it a personality disorder. But positive psychology came along and said, wait a minute, there's too much emphasis in mental health circles about looking at the negatives and looking at the problems. So why don't we look at people's strengths? And came up with the idea of really focusing on people's character strengths and identifying them which we've mentioned before is one of the most important contributions of positive psychology but the last four episodes on schema therapy show also that we think it's best and certainly most clinical psychologists and therapists would think it's best don't gloss over the more significant personality problems that people have like if people do have a lot of problem with whether we call it abandonment issues or issues of trust or they feel defective or they feel they have really insufficient self-control dealing with addictions for example now if we just look to focus on the positive we're not going to be so effective or have as strong or rigorous interventions for helping people turn around some of those more established problematic patterns that take a lot of effort to shift And that's what our last episodes were on schema therapy. But we don't want to get, again, stuck in focusing on the negative, if you like, or the more problematic side. We also want to, well, get back to our main approach on this podcast, which is an optimistic approach to mental health. And that includes a particular focus on people's strengths and where things are going well. And it's the sort of thing as well, like we've spoken about a little bit on the podcast, and you mentioned it there too, where... I think it is worth acknowledging some of these, say, broader patterns in life that can lead to difficulty. But I don't know if you're a little bit like me, Dad, and I'm I'm sure there are other people out there as well, where I think if you focus on, say, the the negative side of things for a period of time, you can almost get a little bit invested in that way of thinking for a little while. It can almost be that you almost feel a little bit stuck in maybe a, a mode of reflection where you're maybe looking at things through a slightly more negative lens. And I think that's where positive psychology does things so well to have that more of a slightly more positive focus as well. And, you know, 
positive psychology, it can maybe come across as a, a little bit of a, a maybe a sugar hit at times where you kind of think, oh, it's potentially glossing over some of the more real aspects of psychology and that sort of thing. But in saying that, and particularly I think after when you're looking at maybe some of the, the darker elements of psychology, it is worth going back to just to maybe recontextualize things with a slightly more positive flavor, certainly than we have been over the last couple of episodes. Yes, and one thing I like about this episode today is we're actually drawing some parallels or making some links between character strengths and the schema that we've talked about. You don't often hear those different concepts described at the one time. People tend to focus either on schema as clinical psychologists, for example, or they focus on positive psychology interventions. But there are some links between them that we'll describe later on. And basically, they're different ways of looking to describe broad patterns of behaviour. And as you say, there's something about reflecting on our behaviour. I think when people see a therapist anyway, there's something which is a little bit taxing about that. Even having more self-reflection than usual, you know, thinking about how we're going in situations, how we're handling it, there's something which can be, well, almost a degree of stress about doing that. And if we're doing that in such a way that we're also focusing on the most problematic patterns that we have, there's a bit of stress that goes with that. And some of our listeners might have found that over the last few episodes. They oh, like, oh, I think I've got a bit of this and oh, I think I've got a bit of that. And yes, unrelenting standards or self-sacrifice or I'm a bit overly concerned about approval or I do feel a bit defective at times. Well, we don't want people to, in a sense, just sit with that feeling of, oh, I've been reflective and I think I have these problems. We're also looking to remind people through this episode that there are ways of looking at our personality patterns that... Frame it in terms of positive attributes and not just in terms of drawing on our positive attributes, which is a good thing, but also recognising that sometimes we can overuse our positive attributes, but certainly we can underuse certain attributes that's worth bolstering. And as you mentioned there, like I had a, a bit of a Google actually before this episode, Dad, and there was very little really that came up for, for example, schema therapy and positive psychology or schema therapy and character strengths. There doesn't seem to be a whole lot out there in terms of people maybe synthesising these ideas, which I found quite interesting because it's one of the things that we've spoken a bit about on the podcast I suppose over the, the length of the podcast really is that we almost want to have a bit more of an integrated approach to things in terms of, you know, even a couple of weeks ago when we were talking about chair work, the idea was almost to separate things out to then be able to reassemble them in a way that's a little bit more integrated and overall positive. But I suppose when you Google some of this stuff, for example, looking at, say, positive psychology and character strengths, well, it's really more just looking about, say, the good side of things. And then if you're looking at, say, schema and, and schema therapy issues people can develop with schemas, well, that's a little bit more looking at, say, the bad side of things. And I think it's a, a little bit binary for almost the way that we want to approach things in psychology, which seems to me more about, say, getting all the evidence on the table and, and then almost constructing things in a way that's... I suppose, more whole overall. So I suppose in, in some ways that's what we're trying to do with today's podcast is to go from what we spoke about in the last couple of episodes, which was looking at maybe some of the darker elements of psychology, but then bring it back to maybe some of the more positive aspects as we will today and maybe through the exercise of going through maybe some of the darker side of things and some of the maybe lighter side of things, then we can just get a bit more of a clearer picture 
and particularly over ourselves. Like, as I said, I think when you're looking at personality patterns and this sort of thing, there can be a bit of a tendency to read into in a way and, and, and almost consider from your own perspective how, say, the information relates to you in a way. And so I think it, it's good to maybe step back from that as well and go, yeah, there's going to be aspects which are maybe difficulties, but then there's also aspects which are strengths as well. Yes, there's this notion that sometimes when people are psychology students, they can be diagnosing everyone else in sight and looking for all the problems that there might be. But similarly, when we come across personality problems or read about that or the podcasts that we've had, people can certainly sometimes even over-identify with some of those problems. So bringing back a balance, one thing we're encouraging people to do with this episode is go back and fill in that character strength survey. So there's a long and short version of it that we'll have in the links. I think often it's an advantage for people to do the longer, the 45-minute version. The VIA survey of character strengths I think is a very helpful thing to do. And actually, you and I have circled back to do that again. That's the fifth time I've done that. The last time I did it was just a year ago and then a couple of years ago early in COVID because we've had a couple of episodes on character strengths, including episode 57, we had on revisiting character strengths. Well, we're coming back to that now in the context of following on from schema therapy. And certainly I found that a worthwhile thing as a personal reminder as well, going back and it's, it's affirming again to see the kind of character strengths that you have coming up again and again and again. But by the same token, when we look at our character strengths, we can also remind ourselves of some that we might underuse or overuse as well. And there's a couple of things that come to mind there. First of all, I think in, in psychology in recent times, partly I think it's a very good thing in terms of we've moved away from maybe the stigma around mental health and conversations about psychology are a lot more prevalent. We hear it about psychology a lot more in the media and all this sort of thing. But I think one of the things that has happened with that is some of the more clinical terms have been picked up in the mainstream And for example, when we talk about schemas and and this sort of thing, you know, if we look at it, say, as as maladaptive schemas, which I believe is the the clinical term, in some ways that's a little bit inaccessible and you sort of go, oh, maladaptive has connotations with it even as a word. But I think one of the good things about, say, bringing it back to the character strengths is that it is a bit more of an accessible way to approach some of this stuff. And you use terms there like, for example, overusing and underusing our strengths well, to me, that's just such a, a, in some ways, a neater way for people who don't have psychology training in their background to understand some of this stuff. Like, we can get into, you know, the, the weeds in some ways of all the clinical terms. But if we look at things like, for example, what are our strengths in a situation and what are we, you know, good at and what are the positive elements of our personality? Like, these are things that we can all get around. We don't necessarily need to even engage in some of the more clinical language around, say, schemas where we look at stuff like you know maladaptive and personality disorders and all this sort of stuff it is quite clinical for the you know the everyday person in some ways and so I think if we look at things with say a a strengths-based approach well it's a lot easier to almost get your head around and in some ways a bit more pleasant to follow along with too. Yes so take a couple of examples of that just say in schema therapy a person might identify that they have an insufficient self-control schema 
like this maladaptive schema. And at one level, there's something helpful about the person being honest with themselves and allowing for a challenge where they recognise, hey, this might be part of my addiction and procrastinating with things and also not taking steps that I know that it's important to take and then I end up in more trouble. But if we look at it from a positive psychology point of view, someone might identify that they come out fairly low on the self-control strength. So rather than, in a sense, thinking of it in terms of maladaptive schema that I've got, almost like a kind of pathology, so to speak, think, oh, I need to perhaps bolster my self-control strength. And the notion is the 24 strengths, we've all got them, whether it be perspective or hope or bravery or gratitude, honesty, kindness, forgiveness or self-control, a whole range of different 24 virtues that have been identified by all cultures across all times. We all have some of these. We all have some self-control. It's the notion of what can I do it to bolster it further? Or I'll use an example I mentioned before. I acknowledged in the last Schema podcast that certainly in my early adult life, I had some real struggles with an unrelenting standard schema. Now, I think I've made a hell of a lot of progress with that in different kind of ways and perfectionism and all the rest of it. But I note over the five times that I've done the character strength survey, still a couple of strengths come out lower, usually in the lower five. They include kindness and forgiveness. Now, I think I could be kind, I think I could be forgiving in different ways. It's not that I don't have any of that strength, but maybe underuse them to a degree. So it's like a reminder, oh, could I be a bit more kind and forgiving? And when you think in terms of unrelenting standards that I'm sure a number of our listeners will relate to, you can think of, can I be a bit kinder to myself? Can I be a bit more forgiving to myself if I've made a mistake or slipped up in some way or something was suboptimal? It's a different kind of language. You think, wait a minute, coming up with a lower strength of kindness and forgiveness, what might I do to bolster that? And in positive psychology, they say use some of your top strengths combined with the lower ones to bolster the lower ones. We'll just say if some of my higher strengths are consistently, they include judgment and perspective. So they're thinking kind of strengths and appraising situations. So If I use my judgment and perspective, well, I'll recognise the link between those former unrelenting standards that were out of hand and recognise, well, there'll still be some lingering effects of that in different ways, but the way I can apply that is looking to boost the kindness and forgiveness, including to oneself. And that kind of makes sense in a certain kind of language. And that's just an example that hopefully people can make some of their own links as well. If people recognise, for example, that they had a degree of negativity or pessimism as far as the schema came up or even a sense of failure. Well, maybe if someone does the character strengths survey, they'll also come up fairly low, for example, in hope. And so rather than thinking, oh, I've got a negativity schema, it might be, oh, look, this is a lower strength. We can all have all of the strengths. What might I do to bolster my sense of hope a little more? And just say if the person's got a top strength of, for example, humour. Well, they might think of bringing humour into situations more to help them see a funny side of a difficult situation and then have more hope they'll get through it that way. So it's a different language, if you like, when we think in terms of personality patterns in strengths rather than schema, but there are some parallels there. 
And it seems to me that it is a trend that goes across many different elements of psychology. For example, when we're talking about, say, for example, Asperger's and autism now, we talk about it in terms of neurodiversity and some of maybe the strengths that can even come from those patterns. And I think also in terms of language, there was a, a really important thing that you were talking about there in terms of, say, boosting a lower strength or bolstering a lower strength. Like when we spoke about the schemas, I think for good reason in terms of we want to acknowledge some of these broader patterns and we don't want to gloss over them in many ways. But a lot of the language is around, say, a longer-term pattern that may be deeply entrenched in certain ways. And so there is almost this emphasis on maybe a setness in our personality in terms of maybe we're, we're stuck with a pattern in a certain way. Whereas if we're talking about boosting a lower strength or bolstering a lower strength, well, just in the language, like the implication there is well, we can do something about it. We can use our strengths in conjunction with each other. It just, I think, helps to maybe give us a more active approach to what we can do than just going, oh, these are the problems with me. And although I can acknowledge them now, you might be feeling a little bit, say, down in yourself because you've got more of a realisation of some of the issues that you've come up against. Yes, and look, I think that partly relates to a more modern scientific understanding of the nature of life. I'll only mention this very briefly, but something that strikes me about quantum physics when we look at how the world works, it's all about potentials, potentials for energy to be in one place or another and how that works. You see the world as being very fluid and changing, whereas that changes from an old mechanical model of a Newtonian mechanical model, which also influenced Freud, like when you think of steam engines and engines, how they work, it's as though people's reactions are caused by certain kind of instincts or their id, their basic instincts, causes them to do this or their superego, their conscience might lead them to do this. And you look at, again, you look at this imprint from the first six years of life and seeing that as being so substantial. Well, there's some truth in those kind of notions, in, including if people have experienced horrendous abuse in childhood or they've been abandoned many, many times by parent figures. You'd expect there to be some impact down the track. But people are far more flexible than often recognised. And we've talked previously how it used to be said in psychiatry. Remember a psychiatrist saying, look, once people are 40 years of age, they basically can't change their personality much. Well, there's a pessimism schema right there, I reckon. And it's been riddled through much of traditional, well, psychiatry in particular as well, I think, when it used to be also this person's been depressed several times. It means they're a depressive. It means they've had some biochemical imbalance from a genetic defect. They need this kind of medication for the rest of their life. These are pessimistic kind of patterns. But if we think of like how we respond to things like hope or gratitude or how we use our humour or how we draw on our capacity to love or be loved. Uh, again, kindness, forgiveness to ourselves and others, self-control. We could be thinking of different ways we can blend and shift and adjust our potentials and our personality. It becomes more about potential rather than things being mechanically fixed. And I think that's the more enlightened understanding of, well, in many areas of psychology, including what we talked about recently with chair work when you look at different parts people have and you contrast your inner leader from a maybe vulnerable child part or even a part that feels defective you don't have to get stuck with feeling defective you can look to challenge it in certain ways but it also helps if we can draw on the positive psychology language if, if we're dealing with an underlying feeling of defectiveness 
how much more helpful to look at a list of 24 strengths of which the top five ones we likely show in many areas of life. We've probably been told from a young age that we have those characteristics, you know, humour or citizenship or teamwork or fairness or whatever it might be, and it just balances out our ways of appraising ourselves. And that's an interesting notion. It's one I agree with, but it's also one that I think we acknowledge when we say things like, you know, is the glass half full or half empty? Like in some ways what we're doing is assigning a potentiality to the glass in some ways in terms of, you know, it's the same glass, it's filled with the same amount of water, but what we can shift is, is how we look at it. So I certainly agree with that. I think it's a, an interesting notion. But Dad, if we get into, for example, how the character strengths can link with the schema, how could we look at them in terms of being related? Okay, now over the four episodes of character strengths, we describe different kind of groupings of schema some related to relative connection with other people or level of autonomy, uh, impaired limits or self-control. We talked about other directedness. We talked about over-vigilance, these kind of patterns. Now, I think character strengths and positive psychology particularly helps with a few groups of schema. And so, for example, if we look at things like impaired autonomy and performance, in the past, we've talked about the patterns of, say, dependence people can have, overlie on other, others' opinions, be enmeshed with their families, not develop themselves so much, or be over-focused on failure and concerned about their performance. I think for that pattern of schema, which are about autonomy and our need for competence and our sense of identity, the character strengths exercise is fantastic for that. Because character strengths are looking at who we are as people, what's the best in us. So I think they particularly apply there. Or then we talked about other kind of schema to do with, say, over-vigilance and inhibition. So this is the kind of schema when we're not so spontaneous or playful. And that includes negativity or pessimism, emotional inhibition, you know, being a bit shut down in our emotions, unrelenting standards or perfectionism, and punitiveness, being punishing towards ourselves and others. Well, positive psychology is great at helping that more spontaneous, playful, freeing ourselves up by first of all focusing on optimism, developing our optimism further, which can be learnt further. Also, gratitude. That's a way of tapping into positive emotions. Gratitude is particularly helpful also with dealing with any past resentments. We're not likely to be able to hold a feeling of resentment and gratitude in mind at the same time. So it means if we further develop our sense of gratitude, that can help manage with resentments. And then positive emotions. A lot of positive psychology is about ways of bolstering that, including micro-moments of joy. People could be dealing with grief, profound grief, and yet find something in that day that's worthwhile. Looking at a flower, a call from a friend a little chat with a neighbour, just something, a little bit of a silver lining in that day or something positive. I think positive psychology is particularly good at looking at those aspects, maybe not quite so good at where people have had more severe kind of problems with abuse, abandonment, uh, uh, very significant trauma. I think positive psychology can come in later on, but when people have developed 
a very considerable mistrust of others. They've found it very difficult to form relationships. They tend to push people away. They have a deep feeling of defectiveness. I think that's where traditional psychotherapies are often important to help people get to a certain level. But if people have made that kind of improvement and are more self-accepting and more ready to look more positively to the future, then I think the different strategies of positive psychology come in then to help people's sense of, again, autonomy, who they are, more playfulness, more positive emotions and more balance in how people uh, go about uh, appreciating themselves and connecting with others. Well, I think that is such a good point. It speaks to that idea of we don't want to maybe gloss over some of these deeper problematic patterns that have caused issue for us over time. But I think, as you say there, certainly after maybe a little while having worked on some things, it it is good to come to the character strengths because, for example, when we were looking at this sort of stuff, I thought maybe is there an aspect to which surrender, like we spoke about avoidance, overcompensation and surrender, and I wonder if there's an aspect to which maybe some of our lowest strengths can maybe be, maybe not even necessarily schemas, but patterns that we surrender to maybe time and time again. Like there's a, maybe a reason that they're coming up as our lower strengths and particularly if we've done the survey over maybe a couple of times over a couple of years and they come up again and again, it's likely that there is maybe a deeper pattern there, even if it's maybe not necessarily schema related. But at the same time, there does seem to be that element of surrender that comes up with maybe a lower strengths. Yeah, look, I think that's an insightful comment of yours. If people are surrendering to a certain schema, like they're kind of giving in to them or not fighting with them or they're acting consistently with them, the chances are they're not boosting their lower character strengths in some ways. Like just say if we take an insufficient self-control schema. Well, if someone scores low on self-control in the character strength survey and then kind of does nothing consciously to try and boost their sense of self-control in some ways, not maybe try and develop a little bit more routines or look at addictions and looking to curb that or certain kinds of impulsive behaviour if they've been losing their temper a bit, if they're not making an effort to try and bolster, say, that self-control if it's a lower strength, then there's more risk that someone is surrendering to an insufficient self-control schema. Now, the behaviour... The problem with self-control might not be so severe or established that we'd call it an insufficient self-control schema. But by the same token, if someone does, in a sense, surrender to that schema and they're not doing much about it, then I think there'll be a clue of that in looking at character strengths. There'll be lower strengths that people aren't looking to boost. And so going back to my own example, if I were not doing some things consciously at times to look to act kindly towards others or look to be a bit forgiving to myself and others. So watching out for my expectations. If I wasn't consciously at times considering that, then I'd be more at risk of getting caught up in a continuation of that unrelenting standard schema that I described earlier on that I think mainly applied to my earlier life. But there'll be hints of it now in different ways and that's one way I can look at countering that. But another example that others might consider is just say if people do have reactions where there is a level of mistrust or social isolation or abandonment, those disconnection kind of schemas, well, someone might also notice that they're scoring lower or their strengths they rate lower on capacity to love and be loved. 
Well, that might be, again, a, a cue to think, look, what can I do to maybe act a little bit more, if you like, well, caring or connect with other people in some ways that way. Whereas if someone saw that capacity to love was quite low and not looking to consciously do anything to boost that, then that could be consistent with surrendering to something like a social isolation schema or an emotional deprivation schema or one of those disconnection schemas. So I think there is a clue there. If we notice that some of our strengths are coming up lower and we've maybe filled out that survey a couple of times or otherwise we relate to it, we think, yes, look, that probably is true of me, that I tend to maybe not be so forgiving as I could be at times to myself, others in whatever situation then it's just considering that and looking to bolster that in some way. Otherwise, it's more likely to get out of balance. And I think you alluded to one of the other things that, that's, I think, really good in terms of looking at, say, the character strengths when talking about schema therapy and that sort of thing is you mentioned, say, some of the low ones that you look to bolster over time. I imagine part of that as well is that as you, say, put some more conscious practices into place – there's a likelihood that it'll become a little bit second nature to you as well. And so over time, you probably won't have to think about it. And then having focused on that for a little while, potentially you do the the test again in, say, a couple of years' time. And that was actually one of the interesting things doing the test for me this time is the extent to which I had some shoot right up and others sort of come down a little bit. And it just suggests that these things aren't fixed. There are things that we can do. And I certainly wasn't consciously filling out the survey hoping to say, boost a particular strength as opposed to another. But it was really interesting, particularly for me, maybe after looking at schema therapy, where the emphasis was on maybe some maybe deeper entrenched patterns that we look at. But then contrasting it with, say, doing the character strength, seeing certain things shoot right up or others fall back a little bit, you kind of realise, well, although you know, largely you know, the framework is going to be similar, there's going to be some similar ones up the top as maybe the last time that you did it, but also these things can change over time. And I think that's a a really important part of this because I imagine even with the schemas, even if someone is having some issues with with the schemas, well, their character strengths profile can change over time as well and there can be different strengths that they can draw upon, maybe in aid of combating some of the schema reactions that they have. Well, over time, if you look and see, well, maybe I've, I've got more tools to use on, I can employ a bit more of my kindness or my humour or, or certain things, by doing the test and recognising that there's some things that might have jumped right up or maybe others that you don't have such of an emphasis on, it just helps to give you a, a more, I suppose, up-to-date picture going through all the, I suppose, twists and turns of life and uh, you just recognise how you can change over time, which is a bit of a contrast to the schemas in terms of the emphasis on some of the more deeper entrenched patterns. Yes, look, out of interest, um, I noted that myself as well, doing it five times, I noticed that some shifted a bit this time and a lot were very similar and that's an advantage of doing this exercise a number of times you look at ones that are similar again and again and again and that can really bolster your confidence that for example well three I know that we share include uh, well judgment is one and perspective and another one is curiosity so they're ones that we continually find come up higher which is maybe it's not so surprised that we do a podcast like this together that draws on those strengths but I did find that some differed as well compared to 
a year or two ago. I'd be interested to hear first, what did you notice yourself? Any one or two that went up or down or anything that you noticed that way? Well, the one that I was, I suppose, most surprised about was the appearance of prudence in my top five. Which I'm I glad to hear that as your father. <laughs> I would not have necessarily considered that to be one that I uh, related to over time, but it is interesting in some ways because as we're having a bit of a chat about, I suppose, I'm at a slightly different stage of life in some ways to when we did the last test and, for example, even with certain clients and stuff, say a couple of years ago, I very much would have been in a, you know, keen to work with absolutely everyone for just about any reason sort of thing. But I suppose in some ways I've become a little bit more I suppose, discerning and I've you know, got my interests and maybe areas that I have you know, more recognition of my strengths. And so there's some people I maybe feel that I wouldn't maybe be the best person to work with in terms of being a client and that sort of thing. So I suppose on reflection, you can sort of see how it does come in in, in some ways in terms of the more, I suppose, tangible difference in the way I have thought about things but yeah that that was one that did jump out to me because you know looking at the uh other ones that I did right back to when I was you know I think a late teenager dad and I I dare say prudence wasn't so much of an emphasis for me then yeah I think that's a possibility what you just mentioned then but anyway it's good to hear that that's uh that's coming up uh fairly solidly at this stage and um I'll mention what I noticed was a contrast of of one going down one going up courage went down a fair bit compared to last time, whereas gratitude went up a fair bit compared to last time. I think that's partly getting through some of the challenges of COVID. Through the COVID period and helping lead a private practice in different ways and helping manage that with also your mum as a practice manager, there were times we had to manage through some very challenging situations, maybe take what seemed some risks at the time, that kind of thing. But I think it was important to draw on courage in certain kind of ways. Whereas having got through that time pretty well, as many different organisations have, especially when we think of those early days, how challenging it could be, how are private practices in psychology going to work when you couldn't even see people face to face? Well, it's before we even understood that there could be virtual sessions and people could meet over Zoom and that could work fairly well. So now that's added another arm or dimension to psychological therapy, something's been added. Uh, The other thing is how wonderful our colleagues were in this practice. Our admin team, our psychologists were just fantastic their way of working through a really challenging time and I noticed that there have been some shifts for me in terms of also leadership and teamwork where those strengths move higher the more you have I'd say almost like a decentralised aspect of leadership kind of thing and I think that there's dare I say, far more sharing of leadership in our practice in the last year or so with people having managed so well through that particular period. It doesn't need so much of a, dare I say, directive lead from myself in different ways. I think there's been a subtle influence that way too or a subtle shift where I'm very appreciative of how well and many very experienced colleagues have dealt with that time So I noticed that there's been more delegation of different kind of responsibilities we have in the practice in in some ways. And uh, the other thing I'll say about teamwork, in the last year that might have moved up further and I noticed over the last year or two being involved with the Coincidence Project, this international project. We're actually going to have Juliet from that project join us in a podcast coming up soon and that's 
a matter of looking to help develop a network of people around the world who are interested in synchronicity and meaningful coincidences. So that's just an aside, but that's a reminder to me of how wonderful it is to be involved in networks or teams or groups of people where you connect with each other and hopefully with looking to be a positive benefit to other people in the world at large. So they're things that are supported by citizenship and teamwork, which for me has moved up a bit. Well, that's interesting about courage, Dad. I must admit, I'll have to uh, start checking out your club selection <laughs> off the tee and if you go on an iron instead of a driver, I'll have to say, hold on, is this an opportunity maybe to boost a bit of your courage? You might take unfair advantage. <laughs> well, uh, I'll, uh, I think I'll have to take everything I've got at the moment based on how we've been going recently. But, Dad, just a, uh, just a last thing that I wanted to touch on in today's podcast, and I suppose that's in some ways to, to close off a little bit of schema therapy. We'll go off and do some more topics, and I imagine it's one that's always going to be there in the background. It's such a central part of psychology. But I suppose looking at, say, the positive side of schema therapy for today's podcast, and maybe this doesn't relate to character strengths as much, but I think it's pertinent maybe if we are looking at, say, the positive side of things, and that's that when we were talking about schema therapy, we spoke about, for example, the core needs, that when they aren't met, uh, that they can lead to, say, patterns with schemas and, and issues that can develop later on. But it strikes me that in some ways, if we look at those, say, core needs and how they relate to the schemas, well, in some ways, that's a bit of a roadmap on how we can help ourselves maybe to combat some of those patterns as well. Like, instead of maybe speaking about disconnection and rejection, or we can speak about, say, secure attachment and, and connection with others. Or instead of speaking about impaired autonomy and performance, we could talk about autonomy, competence and sense of identity. Instead of impaired limits, we could talk about realistic limits or self-control. For other directedness, instead of talking about that, we could talk about freedom to express valid needs and emotions. Or instead of over-vigilance and inhibition, we can talk about spontaneity and play and if we look at the needs that we have, well, we can almost apply the same technique that we use with character strengths of looking to bolster a bottom one in some way. Like we can say, well, how do we bolster our maybe sense of identity or autonomy in a way? Or how do we bolster our realistic limits and self-control? Or how do we bolster our maybe element of play that we have? And it strikes me that you can almost reverse engineer things a little bit. And again, that's not wanting to say gloss over some of the, the deeper and legitimately entrenched patterns that are there. But it just strikes me that it can be a little bit of a thought exercise to go, well, if this is something that I'm struggling with, what's maybe something else that I can look to boost or bolster or play around with in a certain way to maybe satisfy whatever area in my life that I'm feeling is maybe a little bit detached or is a, a deficiency in an area? Yes, and look, I'd have to say that was one of the strengths of schema therapy and Jeff Young who developed it spelt out some of those positive needs that you described. So as you say, anything that supports those kind of needs like autonomy and freedom of expression, spontaneity, those kind of things, connection with other people, then that's going to enhance our life. And so actually, I suppose, reflecting on this now, we've been talking about the character strengths, we've contrasted that in positive psychology with schema therapy. Now, I suppose I feel I've got a little bit of a clear idea, I think, how this works. And it's partly how Martin Seligman talked about positive psychology. He said that a lot of traditional psychology aims to get people 
from a lower level of well-being and like pathology or difficulties, if you like, to get, say, from a minus 6 out of 10 or a minus 4 to a 0. Whereas he said what positive psychology was really on about was looking to develop the positive pole. So people don't just end up as 0 but like a plus 4 or plus 6. Now, I think that's a little bit of an unfair characterisation because I think that most people, for example, who sought traditional therapy for depression would not just end up as a zero, they'd end up back at their normal self. And most people's normal self is going to be something like, well, a plus three or a plus four most likely. But I think positive psychology was good and very effective, looking at character strengths and gratitude and you know, positive experience, how we generate positive emotions, not just happiness, but also awe, gratitude, compassion, the other positive emotions. Positive psychology was very good at developing the positive pole. But how that worked for us as therapists, for example, in a private practice setting practically, is I think many people first needed ways of addressing the more significant problems and personality problems that positive psychology was not designed to address. Positive psychology was not designed to address problems with, say, impaired limits or insufficient self-control. So if someone had a severe addiction, that's not why it was developed. And if people do have a severe addiction or lots of problems with self-control, it's more the traditional therapies with their understanding of behaviour therapy, the traditions of cognitive behavioural therapy and behaviour therapy looked at things like reinforcement, positive and negative reinforcement, operant conditioning. They're more like a technology for dealing with more of these significant problems relevant to addictions and things like that. Or if people had severe problems of mistrust, they really felt they'd be abandoned again and again in relationships, feel very defective, uh, with that lots of self-harm, suicidality, disconnection from other people, just say if people had a lot of problems that traditionally would be like a more severe form of, say, borderline personality disorder, I don't think positive psychology is for those kind of difficulties at first. I would think primarily people with those more significant long-standing difficulties like we've talked about with schema therapy can do with more traditional therapies first, which are designed to deal with those more challenging problems. But then at the tail end of therapy, and with some consideration of it from early on, to bring in an optimistic perspective but also be considering the positive pole, early on we can still be looking at people's positive character strengths even if they have a severe addiction or severe trauma reaction, we can still be looking at how people experience micro moments of joy, brief periods of more joy. But by the same token, if again with, say, impaired limits, someone has a real problem with psychopathic type behaviour or strong narcissistic tendencies like we've talked about in previous podcasts, for them it's not just going to be looking at their character strengths or whatever, they're likely to need a degree of challenge and confrontation in a therapy setting as well, including using some more, dare I say, traditional psychotherapy techniques as well that can be more powerful for dealing with the negative pole, so to speak. So I think that's such a contribution of positive psychology which runs through many of our podcasts is having a more optimistic way of looking at things drawing in our strengths. But again, the purpose of our recent emphasis on schema therapy and other ones that we do in future on trauma as well, sometimes it's worth looking at the traditional therapies that were most designed for dealing with the most 
challenging or entrenched kind of problems. But even then, people can benefit from looking to develop the positive pole, not just settle for getting back to a fairly neutral setting. How can you look to promote well-being beyond that? Well, I think that's so true. And I also think it is true what you were saying about how, I suppose, just naturally people maybe go a bit beyond, say, the neutral and go into that positive pole side of things. And really reminds me of a conversation I had with a friend recently. And oh, he, he was you know, struggling in a situation where, you know, I'd, I think it was a, a deeper pattern that had come up for him. And I just remember, and I said this to him, but I just remember having such a distinct sense as we were talking about it that, Mate, in six months' time, in two years' time, in ten years' time, whenever it is, you're going to have a conversation with someone and they're just going to think, you get it. And you can't intellectualise your way into getting it in a way. You've almost got to have that experiential aspect to it. And that strikes me with, say, the schemas. And then if we can maybe combine it with some aspects of positive psychology, which I believe one of the, the big elements is, say, using your strengths in the service of others. Well... If we use even our experiences in the service of others, it strikes me that we'd say the schemas, there's going to be elements to which if you've been in situations where you feel that there are maybe patterns relating to the schemas coming up again and again and again, well, then it's likely that you're going to be able to talk to people in a way who are maybe going through a similar thing. They're at the really pointy end of the spear and they're thinking, oh, you know, I'm, say, worthless in this way or that way. We're going to be able to almost pick your way through that a little bit and sort of say, oh, well, actually, you know, I was there at one stage and then after a little while, this is maybe something that helped me a little bit. And this was maybe an area that I had a false start in and maybe could have used a little bit more support. Like being in that situation and just having an experience that you can help someone else with and, and share with, like that's, to me, far beyond the positive pole in a way because you're able to accept the situation that you've been in. There's, you know, an element of surrender with that. But then even just the well-being aspect that comes with that from genuinely, I suppose, putting yourself out there to help someone, well, then you're going to get so much personal benefit out of that. And that is going to be something that you're not going to be able to do unless you've got real experience with whatever it is someone's going through. But uh, yeah, it just strikes me. It's almost like that you know, almost literary notion of, you know, you go into the underworld and then you can re-emerge as the hero and help other people on their journey. Like the schemas in some way seem a bit of the underworld in, in terms of maybe a psychological aspect. So yeah, it just strikes me that maybe there is a little bit more to it than that. You know, you, you get back to your normal self. Well, that maybe ignores the idea of post-traumatic growth and, and maybe these good aspects that can come out of going through something that is quite dark in itself. Yes, I think what you're saying that a whole lot of the best in psychology and ourselves as human beings, it's not just about positive or negative or strengths or whatever. I think a lot of it is about growth. And that's why we look at our basic purpose as a psychology practice. What are we on about? We're looking at help people transform psychological problems into personal growth. It's not just about happiness or being up. It's about growth. To have growth we also need to consider our shadow side as Jung called it we all have a shadow side now when people feel they're getting caught up in their lives with disruptive patterns in their behavior it might be that shadow side becoming more prominent and schema therapy is wonderful at really delving into people's shadow side it's like a way of really operationalizing that and really looking into that 
in a fairly direct and informed way. Now, as you say, if people can make shifts in that, there's something really uplifting. It can help us be more whole. It is part of the hero's journey that you describe, which involves people going through the dark night of the soul. When people are going through psychotherapy, dealing with schema patterns or other difficulties, it's going through the dark night of the soul, often very challenging. But then hopefully there's some real boon, like the hero's journey, there's this boon or there's this benefit that in the hero's journey they take it back to their community. So as people make real improvements in themselves, their family benefits, their work colleagues benefit, others, their friends benefit, the community benefits. So by being prepared to deal with the more challenging side or some of our foibles or the darker side of things, there's something very healthy in that. And I'd say with our character strengths, if we look at our lower character strengths and bolstering our lower character strengths, That's, dare I say, a lighter way of looking at our shadow side. It's a way of tapping into it. It's a lighter way of still looking into our shadow side and that's got a benefit in itself as well. Well, I think that's so true, Dad. And well, thank you for chatting with me about all this today. It's been nice to uh, maybe close things off with a slightly more positive emphasis on today's episode. So although it's maybe not strictly part of the Essentials of Schema Therapy podcast that we have been doing over the last few weeks, it is a a nice way, I think, just to put a a bit of a lid on that one for a little bit and we'll uh, go off and do some more topics. As you say, we've got an interview with Juliet coming up in the next few weeks as well. And Of course, you mentioned the other episodes that we've got on character strengths. So we've got episode number 57, Revisiting Our Strengths. Episode number one, Finding Flow Within Four Walls, was a little bit more lockdown related, but there is going to be a lot in there that is still very relevant, I think, Dad. And I will put those links as well as the links to the different character strengths surveys up on the episode page at psychspiels.com.au. You can access today's episode and all of the other uh, podcast episodes from that page if you are listening on the web feel free to give us a subscribe on apple or spotify or wherever you get your podcast but thanks for chatting with me about all this today dad i look forward to the next one thanks ryan me too